You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Here's Nate. The Hebrew people had waited for years for their promised land. God had told Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their descendants to follow that the day was coming when God would bring them to that wonderful promised land. But they would not enter into that promised land without the blood of the Passover lamb being shed. There is no rest for God's people without the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial substitution for us upon the cross of Calvary. Now God sent Moses into Pharaoh to announce to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh's response up to this point has been to disrespect the Lord. Who is the Lord? Why should I let these slaves of mine depart? I'm a God myself, Pharaoh would believe. And so why should I listen or respond to some God I do not know and let his slave people go free? And if he's really God, why are his people enslaved in the first place? And God is going to now systematically judge this man. And already we've seen judgment upon the river Nile, the freshwater supply. There in Egypt, the water turned to blood and frogs brought upon the land. And finally, Pharaoh began to soften when he said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people. But then his heart was hard and once the frogs were removed, his sorrow was so short-lived. We pick it up now with the third plague in verse 16 of chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now a couple of interesting things to mention here. First of all, the presence of these gnats or the identity of these gnats. Very possible that these were mosquitoes. The word could indicate that. And it's very interesting because they worshipped a god named Set, who was the god of the desert. And so, you know, here they're striking the dust of the earth and rebuking this god of the desert. And these gnats or mosquitoes will come over the land of Egypt. Another thing that's very interesting here is that the magicians attempt to perform this sign as well. Now, when Aaron had thrown down the staff and it turned into a serpent, they were able to duplicate it. When they had turned the water into blood, they were able to duplicate that. And when they brought frogs up upon the land, the magicians were able to duplicate that sign or that wonder as well. And again, as I've stated previously, I believe through demonic power that they had tapped into and that they had given themselves over to. But here, they cannot replicate this sign. 
It's as if God is saying, there's the limit of your ability. Now I'm going to go beyond your ability into realms of which you do not know. And their response is fascinating. They go to Pharaoh and they say, this is the finger of God. These men who believed in a plurality of gods, who had worshipped the God of the desert, the God of the sky, the God of the river, who had worshipped gods in the animal kingdom and all of that, they come to Pharaoh and they say, this is the finger of God. I think there's an indication there that within their heart, they knew something in, in the bottom of their hearts. They understood and knew that there was a God above all of these false gods that they were worshiping. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. God had promised all of this. We've seen now three plagues, the water turned to blood, the frogs and the gnats. Now in verse 20, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. As he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. And I already mentioned to you that there are ten plagues. There are three sets of three plus the tenth, the Passover. The three sets of three all begin with in the morning. So here we have another set of three. And... He says in verse 21, say to Pharaoh, or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, that's where the people of Israel were at, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus, I will put a division, verse 23, between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign shall happen. So the Lord, again, gives Pharaoh advance warning on a judgment that is to come and promises that a swarm of flies or swarms of flies is going to come. Now, the Hebrew word for this word for swarms indicates a mixture. And that leads us to the possibility, at least, that you don't just have standard run-of-the-mill flies here, but a mixture of all kinds of insects coming together. And various Egyptian gods were indicated by these different insects. So these various insects were going to come together and swarm upon the entire land of Egypt. And here, then, God announces something unique and different, and he tells them at that moment, the land of Goshen, and that's, of course, where the people of Israel were dwelling. They had chosen that area under Joseph's advice way back in the days of the book of Genesis, and they had dwelled there caring for the livestock and as shepherds and all of that, and they'd populated that land, and God announced that there in Goshen, the people of Israel or the Hebrew people are going to be free from these swarms of flies. And the Lord says that you may know that I am the Lord. He tells them in advance. He gives them advance warning here so that they might know that God is the Lord. But of course, this speaks to us of the protection and of the hand of God. God distinguishing and making a difference between his people 
and Pharaoh's people. And just the presence of the Lord. Psalm 3, verse 3 says, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. But to have God as a shield, to have God as a defense, to know that as you give your life to, to Christ and as you enter into the hand of God, that God is watching over you, God is caring for you. And every detail of life and every trial that you would face, the Lord is sovereignly watching over your life. He's protecting you, defending you, and delivering you to glory. And so the Lord, verse 24, did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. Now here we have... Pharaoh beginning to negotiate with Moses and Aaron. And the things that Pharaoh says are eerily similar to many of the temptations that the devil gives to God's people even today. Here, Pharaoh says to them, go sacrifice to your God within the land. In other words, you don't need to depart. You don't need to separate yourself. You don't need to be gone from us or separate from us, right here in the middle of all of our idolatry, with all of our false gods, why don't you just sacrifice to the Lord here? You don't need to be separate. And this is often a tactic of the enemy, to whisper into the ear of a believer, well, you could serve the Lord, that's fine, but just don't depart, don't separate, don't be any different from the world around you. Carry the same values, carry the same practices, the same attitudes towards the body, the same attitudes towards the inner person, carry those same attitudes that the world around you carries. Be no different. Don't feel that you need to be living as a pilgrim of all things. You just live like the world around you and still worship the Lord, but just be right here with us. And that is a great temptation for God's people. But the Lord calls for separation. And for us, perhaps, it's not a physical separation. We're called to live in and amongst the world that is around us. But there's another kind of separation. There's a spiritual separation. There's a consecration of our lives and of our bodies unto the Lord. So Moses said, verse 26, it will not be right to do so. For the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with you that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow, only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. So, Moses pleads with the Lord for Pharaoh, 
But Pharaoh still changes his mind, changes his heart. And notice Moses' argument. He tells Pharaoh, listen, we can't sacrifice to the Lord here in your midst because we're going to slaughter and sacrifice animals. And that would have been considered an abomination to these Egyptian people. Some of these animals that they would sacrifice to the Lord were considered sacred by the Egyptian people. And so Moses points that out. He says, what's it going to look like if right here in the middle of your nation, we are sacrificing sacred animals. We're going to bring great harm upon ourselves by doing this. It's the logic that he used. And Pharaoh says, fine, you know, you can go out, but don't go very far away. Pray for me. And he prays. But Pharaoh, verse 32, hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Then in verse 1 of chapter 9, the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. So this message is now sounding very redundant. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Now, once again, we see the mercy of God in declaring ahead of time the judgment that was to come. This is always the hand and the pattern of God. He warns of that coming judgment. And I think sometimes we forget, as we're studying through the book of Exodus, the extreme wickedness that was found in the pharaohs. I mean, the willingness to kill the Hebrew babies, the willingness to put them to such brutal slavery and hard labor. It was time for this wicked man to be judged. And not only had he treated the Hebrews poorly, but he had made claims of deity and had believed something that was such a stumbling block to the people in the nation of Egypt. And so God is broadcasting himself to this entire nation. Every man, woman, and child is watching this showdown, and they are making their decisions on who they believe is truly God. So the Lord announces in this particular plague that the livestock that are left outside are going to be killed. They're going to be struck, and the livestock will die. So this, of course, is a judgment upon some of their sacred animals, animals that they believe to be sacred. So judging that portion of their false worship, but also judging a major part of their economic system. And oftentimes God will, you know, judge a people in that kind of way. And it really rattles someone when their economy is shaken. And whether it's the hand of the Lord or just the hand of the circumstances and consequences of decisions that have been made. Oftentimes, people will come to the Lord during a time of economic disaster. Just a wonderful opportunity. But here, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the people go. 
Now in verse 8, we have the sixth plague. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, of course, the kiln was used in the brick-making process. And soot was the result of that brick-making process. The Hebrew people were slaves who were designated for the making of bricks. And so Moses and Aaron, they take this soot, they probably put it in a jar or a container, they bring it into Pharaoh. It's a symbolic judgment. It's as if they're saying and announcing to Pharaoh, listen, your insistence on enslaving this people is the very thing that is going to lead to your demise. This is the mercy of God. If you would just simply submit to the Lord and let these people go, these judgments would not come upon you. You need to own this, Pharaoh. And so often people don't want to own the thing that they have done. They blame the judgments of God and the consequences of their sin Upon God himself or upon their circumstances, they speak of themselves as if they have such tough luck. And, and some do genuinely have a tougher life than many others. But we ought not be a people who, because of our rebellion, when in great trial and difficulty, blame others. Pharaoh should have taken responsibility upon his own life. And realize that he was the cause of all of this disaster breaking out in his nation. And so Moses throws this dust into the air in the sight of Pharaoh. And all over Egypt, the people begin to break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the Egyptian territory, all the Egyptian land. Now, even the magicians came down with this and could not go in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's reaction was hardness of heart. He did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now these boils are fascinating. I'm sure that they were not pleasant at all to experience. They did worship a goddess named Sekhmet, who was a lion-headed goddess who had alleged power over disease. They worshipped another god named Sunu, who was the pestilence god. Isis was the god of healing. All of these gods are being judged right here in their midst as God forces and causes this sickness to break out upon them. Now, Deuteronomy 28 verse 27 mentions the boils of Egypt as a scourge to be avoided. And it's very possible, and this same word appears in Leviticus 13, amongst various symptoms of leprosy. So it's very possible they've got some kind of scab or skin disease or sickness. 
maybe under the category of leprosy in that day and age. And it just breaks out all over the place. I mean, just an incredible thing that the Egyptian people are experiencing at this point. The death of livestock, physical harm, the swarms of flies, the gnats or the mosquitoes, the frogs, the river turned to blood. It's just a horrible time. And what's happening here is that God is causing his creation really to unravel. It's kind of creation in reverse. It's like God is saying, listen, I made all of this. And those accounts that you've perhaps heard of, of me speaking the world into existence and orderly creating all of this. And then you have responded to my creation by worshiping my creation. Well, I created it. I'm going to uncreate it. And God is declaring here his authority to Pharaoh. Then the Lord, verse 13, said to Moses, rise up early in the morning. Remember that phrase? That phrase indicates a new set of three plagues. And these last three plagues, they're going to be the most severe of all the groups of three, which is very similar to what we find in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, there is a scroll that is sealed with seven seals. Those seven seals, each time they are loosed, release a fresh judgment upon the world. In the seventh seal, there are seven trumpets, and each one of those trumpets releases a new judgment upon the world. And the seventh trumpet leads to seven bowls of judgment poured out upon the world. And each one of those sets of judgments grow in their intensity upon the earth. And here I think we find the same thing in the book of Exodus. This last cluster of judgment will be the most severe of all of the clusters of judgment. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. I love how the Lord continually says, Let my people go that they may serve me. He doesn't set us free for us to be able to serve ourselves. No, he sets us free that we might be able to serve him. For this time I will send all my plagues on you, yourself, and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I would have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as has never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter, for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. So God gives Pharaoh quite a warning here. First of all, in verse 14, he says to him, this time I will send all my plagues. This appears to be a final warning from God regarding the remaining plagues. He's saying to Pharaoh, it's about to get very intense. And then he tells Pharaoh, he says, look, I could have crushed you up to this point. I could have put my hand out and we would have been finished, but I've progressively judged 
so that you would have an opportunity to repent. He says in verse 16, for this purpose, I've raised you up to show you my power. You've become the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. And you need to know you did not become that way by your own might and power. I am the one that raised you up. Oh, how often the most powerful people in the world forget who put them in that place. He raised Pharaoh up so that God's power could be demonstrated in this man. God was doing all of this with the end result of his own glory. This reminds us of Romans 9, verse 15 through 18, where Paul writes and says, He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it depends not on human will, or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then God has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. God was using this man Pharaoh, who had been very involved in hardening his own heart, but is now being hardened by God himself. He is being used to communicate to the world the incredible power of God. The most powerful man in the world was as nothing in God's sight. Then, in response to this, verse 20, whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses, but whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. There's a clear line of demarcation. Those who fear the Lord bring their livestock inside. They hear the warning of the hail. They say, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I fear the Lord. I bring my livestock in. And those who don't fear the Lord, they leave their livestock out in the field. It's amazing to me that there was anybody like this at this point, but there were. And so what you have here is outward demonstration of an inward reality. You had no one saying, I fear the Lord and leaving their livestock outside. No, a fear of the Lord produced results and a response then the lord said to moses verse 22 stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of egypt then moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth and the lord rained hail upon the land of egypt there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail very heavy hail such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. So the hail comes falling. It's powerful. It's strong. And unlike anything that we would see in our time or era, these were huge bowling ball-like hailstones designed to crush and kill livestock. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. So his heart begins to break. His heart begins to confess. He says, Plead with the Lord. For there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. 
The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. This is the lesson that they needed to hear. The earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord. So Moses is very brazen here. The flax and the barley, it tells us in verse 31, were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So there would be more crops to come. And so maybe an indication as to why they weren't really ready. There was still food coming that they could lean on. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. And unfortunately, Pharaoh is like so many who only repent when the circumstances are tough. But once the pressure is relieved, they change completely. God bless you, and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings, or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.